0: The Uscape
1: you- like yeah. Podcast. The Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the Youthscape podcast with me, Martin Saunders, and...
0: With me, Rachel Gardner.
1: Yeah, and we hope you're doing okay. Uh, We're recording this still in the midst of what some people call lockdown. Uh, And so we're still um, very much in the middle of the uh, the COVID-19 outbreak, the early stages in 2020. And I just think I add that because I think some people might stumble upon these podcasts one day as a sort of historical, (laughs) like historical (laughs) document. We you know, wish. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Maybe people who are actually being forced to study youth ministry's response to the coronavirus outbreak in twenty twenty. If there is just some small, maybe someone will write a masters one day, and and they'll have to listen. They'll have to listen to all they'll these podcasts. To. And uh, so, if that's you, a big shout out to you,
0: <laughs> yay! a
1: student in twenty twenty seven.
0: Fantastic slice yeah. of Preston and Rygate life. Yeah, love yeah. it. <laughs> Boris is back, Martin. Boris is back.
1: Yes, of course he is back, and uh, and, and so we've we've kind of got used to the um, the daily briefings that you get from uh, from government coming from somebody else, deputising from uh, from the prime minister, and now it's going to be. Gonna, is that right? Is it going to be him every day now? It's
0: going to yep. be him, I think. And I have to say, let's put, put politics aside about how you feel about the Tories or, or parties or anything like that. I have to say it was a master piece of communication because what, he's, what he did, which is what youth workers do so brilliantly, is he managed to take this chaotic, uncertain time and he put a great illustration around it that made sense. Did you hear it? So he talked about, he said, this is the t- the point where if if this virus is a mugger, this is the point where we've got the mugger on the ground. Like it was a brilliant, like we have wrestled it to the ground or him or her to the ground. And I thought that was a brilliant illustration actually because that gave you like, a, oh yeah, like he could or she could still wiggle free. Like this is still risky, but actually we've got our weights and we've, we've, we're, we're kind of on the winning side. So that was a very clever bit of communication that suddenly ah. made sense of you know, this continued lockdown, which so I thought was very clever, actually.
1: Well, wow. I, I never expected you to open a, the Preston <laughs> branch of the Boris Johnson fan club, Rachel, but there, there it is. <laughs> I'm not going
0: to get outside today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I'll tell you what was on my mind today um, is uh, content overload. And I just wonder whether, and this is a little bit of a hunch, but I just wonder whether people are a bit, overwhelmed by all the different content that has been thrown their way, uh, particularly online over the last um, uh, six weeks. And, and I mean, Youthscape would be like prime suspect for this. We've produced resources, we've produced blogs after blogs, and and uh, we've even had a live blog running every day. But But way beyond Youthscape, you've got all these media companies and charities and uh, and individuals constantly trying to produce content. And, and actually, like, a lot of churches are, pr- are producing content, a lot of itinerant kind of minister-speaker types. Um, see how I didn't say Christian celebrities. I was really well-behaved. <laughs> uh, are producing lots of content. Um, and actually, I, I wonder whether there's more content being produced now than when we're not in lockdown it's like more people are putting more stuff out there and uh, and i do wonder whether we're just getting to uh, a stage where it where we've had a bit too much i don't know rachel what what do you do you think do you, do you feel that uh, do you feel you're slightly overwhelmed or that we are being slightly overwhelmed with content at the moment no.
0: I had not thought about it till you said it, but now you've said it, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I have seen a lot of people share on Insta or on Twitter the statement, um, you know, you're not what you do, you are your identity is not what you do, it's who you are. But I wonder if that's reemerged a bit now because actually everyone is feeling in, in tremendous pressure. How do you prove as a church leader that you're doing church leading unless you're providing yeah. a you know, daily this and a fortnightly that and and the same with youth ministry and the same with everything. So I, th- I think you're right. And, yeah. and I suppose the question is, when does that become a problem? Because we can choose what we're going to listen to. So is the problem the, the creation of endless stuff or is it that where it's coming from that's a, becoming a little bit of a mm. false idol in a way?
1: Well, it's a bit of both, isn't there? There's one, um, one, one aspect of it, which is that uh, we feel like if we're not producing stuff, we're not justifying our existence, and that's probably a wrong assumption that we we need to challenge. But also, I just think the law of physics or maths or whatever is that if you um, uh, if you if everybody's producing all this stuff, if there's way more content than usual, there's still only the same number of people around to listen to it. Yes. So a lot of it's being is duplication for the sake of it rather than signposting to other stuff that others are doing. And I also think that people are a bit exhausted and don't want. To, there's certain things that people just don't want any more content on. So I find, mm. I mean, I, I um, saw a young person the other day and obviously kept the appropriate um, couple of meters distance. Um, and he was just like, whatever you do, don't talk to me about coronavirus. Don't ask me how oh. I'm doing in coronavirus. And that's the second young person, that's done that in the last week Um, and so that's okay that's a sample of two but I think um I think we're just a bit overwhelmed with people talking about the predicament we're in and the short-term question of what should we do how should we survive how should we thrive in this time Um, and I wonder whether what people would really love is either some real hope about what's on the Mm. other side or let's talk about something else for a bit Mm. That's my hunch.
0: Oh, well, I think that you cleverly, you and Asda are on the same page. Obviously, there are other stores available. I've but always put myself in, Asda, in the same you, box as Asda. the same
1: yeah, <laughs> culturally.
0: Same so I went to do my weekly shop this morning in Asda, and Asda, as I walked around and I was the music was playing, and I was sort of doing this with my with lifting my uh, elbow my elbows? There's what my shoulder, my shoulder. As I was like wiggling around, I suddenly thought, wait a minute. They're not doing the normal, like, no music, just really depressing notices – don't breathe near anybody, they actually had some quite groovy music on. They didn't mention coronavirus. So I wonder whether actually you've absolutely put your finger on something that maybe some futurologists have also said, behavioural scientists are saying, now let's dampen down talking about this and let's begin to find some new normality and some hope. Because it is really interesting, isn't it, how much content you can create about the fact that none of you are doing anything Mm, mm, <laughs> it's quite,
1: absolutely, you
0: know, and, and there's lots of talk about we're all um, in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. Yep. And yet, if you look at who the content's being created by, possibly it's people in a similar boat mm. creating the content, being listened to people who are not in that boat. So it, is, so it is. Yeah, you're right. It is, we need to be listening to all the narratives, don't we? Not just letting a
1: few voices dominate. And so, because we thought it might be a good idea to take a cue from ASDA uh, today we thought we would talk about something a bit different. <laughs> and so there are parallels, there are links, um, but uh, we're going to talk about a Netflix series which has is, which is launched into the world during the lockdown. So it, is kinda, it does count. Um, and it is, I think, the number one show in the UK right now on Netflix, mm-hmm. which is no mean feat. You've got, to, well, you've got, to be,
0: yeah, you've got a lot of
1: people on. watching it um, to do that. Um, and so we found out about it and then we, it, we basically dispatched War Rocket Gardener to immediately <laughs> uh, attack this head on and find out what we needed to about Too Hot to Handle. So um, we made you watch back to back episodes of this sort of sex based reality show. And yes. what, did you, what did you find out?
0: well you sent me the message saying this young person said what, are we, what do we think about this Rachel get on it so I, I was in the I was about to I don't know what you, do, you guys are doing for meals we have like Chinese one night at the moment just to see us through Indian another night so we nice. were doing our fajita nights so I had lined up on the side loads of chicken breasts like cold chicken breasts and a really sharp knife I got your message and I was like oh the kids are watching something with Jason had a glass of wine I thought I'll just stick too hard to handle on the phone start watching it. There's something so hilarious about watching a TV programme which is essentially mainly skin. It's people's skin and cutting chicken breast at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a surreal experience. (laughs) So it, it, it does start off with what you think you've seen before, like Love, Love Island, its contestants in their tropical island, not wearing very much. It's incredibly objectifying of the human form. It's incredibly shallow. But 12 hours in, they get this message which makes you go, oh, this is interesting. Because they obviously all arrive on the island full of banter, full of stories that you don't believe, uh, basically wanting a good time and seeing who they, who they hook up with. And then the little kind of microphone voice, the robot voice, Lana, who sounds like, um, you know, a character from the 1920s, says, well, basically, there's going to be no sex and you can win 100 grand as long as everybody on the island has no sex, no kissing, no foreplay, nothing that looks like sex, sounds like sex, smells like sex, whatever, that's my wording. Um, and it's fascinating because you watch their faces. Like, they are absolutely devastated. And then because, you know, suddenly you you either at that point think, I cannot watch the rest because I cannot stand them, or you think, oh, they're just human beings. And suddenly in that moment, this thin veil has suddenly been pulled away and you see who they really are and your heart either goes out to them or you think no I can't stand it and if your heart goes out to them and you can keep watching it, it is the most fascinating TV mm-hmm. particularly if you've been a youth worker in a youth group where you've had all the conversations about <laughs> how much sex can we get away with before it breaks the rules you know, what? what is sex, what isn't sex, why wouldn't I have sex collective shame You know the sex cops that are there you know the, the, the most horny guys are telling you on camera they're going to shag everything they can see, and now the ones going, who did that? Who's lost my money? I mean, it's uh, it is so familiar. It's so wow. familiar.
1: There's some little bit of parallel here with your own TV show from about 2004, isn't it?
0: Well, the really interesting thing is that the uh, the media company we did our show with wanted to do something afterwards and we pitched the idea basically of Too Hot to Handle. We said, let's get some celebrities and it, it wasn't on an island. Let's get them in a room, I think, and say no sex. And and they just, the, the media company who were doing programs like the F words and Location, Location, location they're a big, big company, but they were like, we just can't imagine doing that. We just, it oh. just, we can't imagine anyone going for it um but but of course now when you know big brother has broken all the boundaries around sex and so has is love island mm-hmm. the only next frontier is is it possible for people not to have sex i mean that so that feels like the biggest taboo doesn't it so, it, so yeah the parallels are fascinating yeah. and, have you seen um, any of it?
1: <laughs> no i haven't no i mean uh I saw it flash up, and immediately, tra- you know, it was one of those moments yeah. where the trailer started playing on my Netflix, and, like, and oh. my wife was in the bathroom, and I was suddenly trying to find the remote. Yes, um, <gasps> yes. but um, but yeah, uh, it, it. I haven't seen it yet, but I will. I will watch some now as a, as youth ministry research, as I'm sure everyone quickly, listening is
0: Yeah. And and very quickly, you realize that actually all the nudity, and of course, I mean, be wise, people watching it. You are watching very attractive people in Next to Nothing gyrating around. I mean, it is, it's still hugely know, It's still soft porn, if you want to call it that way. Um, But the moment they're not allowed to do the one thing they think they are they are supposed to do or should do, or the only thing they think they're good at, mm. suddenly you realize that their, their nudity is their greatest covering. And you suddenly realize that you have in front of you, now you have very naked people. Like the fact they're not wearing much is not nudity. It's actually their armor. Now wow. you have them facing their emotions and suddenly realizing, well, who am I? If, I? if I can't get my sense of self-esteem from all of you guys wanting to have sex with me, then... then who, then who who am I and wow. it's it is devastating to watch you you just see them sort of unfurled before the camera but then last night the episode I watched last night Martin it all took a turn for the worst and I got very protective of these Go contestants. on because, what happens so you have this 100 grand thing which is working very cleverly at the moment because actually all the contestants probably are on quite low incomes
1: right yeah you know, so they've it's a lot of money
0: back. there's a lot of money Suddenly last night, the sneaky producers brought on a guy that is just my fresh flesh crawls, who owns a yacht, who is so wealthy. That money is not a barrier for him. Yeah. And suddenly he's going to, so it's really interesting to see what suddenly they've, they've formed this collective shaming sex mm. cop thing that's working quite well. But now someone's arrived that's not going to play by those rules. And that's like in the youth group, isn't it? We were joking yeah. off air. Like when suddenly you have some young people suddenly arrive in your youth group that don't, that don't, that don't buy the shame narrative
1: that
2: no, no, no. <laughs> you've
0: quite effectively propped up, or, you know, we yeah. never admit to that. And suddenly, like, what do you do now? They, you know, right. everyone's nose is out of joint. Fascinating.
1: You, you, um, there is some really fascinating stuff in there. Um, you actually spoke, you, you asked a few young people about the show as well. So, <laughs> and you found a diversity of, of views on it.
0: And what was amazing was I just thought, right, I want somebody who's going to just love this show and someone that's going to hate this show. And I knew immediately of the young people that I work with who I should phone for both. Mm. I, I automatically knew who would love it and who would hate it and their reasons. And it was right. And I think that is not that is no way to kind of <laughs> cast any aspersions on the young people. But I think it is one of those programs where if if the young person thinks in a certain way and approaches reality in a certain way, they probably will hate watching that show because mm. it's just too on the nose. It's just right. too predictable. And and if they are a young person that um, actually would, will struggle a bit to do that deeper thinking, they're probably more likely to watch it and love it. I realize that as I'm saying this, people are shouting at the, like, no, that's not true. But I think my concern is the young people that will watch it and really enjoy the entertainment aspect might not be the sorts of young people that will ask the deeper questions about what's really going on. Mm. The young people that can do that probably are already not watching that programme because it just wouldn't be interesting to them. So as, as a form, although as an adult, I can look at the programme and go, oh, it's really interesting and opens up really interesting ideas. I, I still am concerned that, that young people the way the program is presented is still it's still not the best medium for really analyzing with young people what's going on so if Mm. so I think as youth workers we do have to do that hard work of, of understanding it connecting with it not just thinking oh a little shallow conversation has done it because actually the things they see played out and too hot to handle is the world young people are living in it's the pressures they're under I can laugh about it I can think when the guy says to the girl, "Well, actually memories are more important than 100 grand. He basically wants to get in her pants. Yes, but if I was 14, uh, would I you know and I think well, maybe he's being an idiot, but actually if, I, if a guy said to me that mem- memories with me are more important than 100 grand, I'd totally fall for that you know yeah,
1: absolutely. Yes,
0: yeah. Yeah, so I don't know wow. I don't know
1: so um, so the reason we we mention this uh, partly is because uh, you've written about this. And so mm. on the Youthscape website now, if you go to the live blog, youthscape.co.uk slash coronavirus, you'll find a brilliant article, which Rachel has written. It, it is absolutely brilliant, Rachel. Oh, thank you. Um, and uh, it's it goes into quite a lot of detail on the discussion we've just had, but there's a whole bunch of extra nuance there. So really recommend that to you. But I, the other reason for talking about it, just to go back, uh, is that. My hunch, strong hunch, is that young people don't want to be talking about and thinking about lockdown uh, and coronavirus anymore. Mm -hmm. And so they are loving the opportunity. Anything new that's coming on our horizons culturally is something to talk about and something to think about, something different. And so it's actually really important that at this time, those of us that are still engaging and working with young people get on top of this new cultural stuff that's emerging Mm, because that's what young people want to talk about. That's what they'll they'll, they'll be thinking about. They do not want you to be running a online check-in session with them where you just talk about how hard it is in lockdown. Of course you need to cover that stuff, but they also want to, they want to feel excited again that there's a life beyond it. Um, So the the young people I've talked to that they've said, you know, guys particularly, I know we were going to talk a little bit about Mm. um, gender differences at some point, but guys particularly are saying, I just got nothing to talk to my friends about because normally we talk about what's, what's yeah, okay and football. And the yeah. last thing we want to talk about is um, how we're feeling about lockdown. So I think you've got to, you've got to understand the, the, the new trends uh, that are emerging even yes. while we're all in lockdown. And Netflix is always a really important source of that stuff. Yes. So, um <laughs>
0: There, there are some killer your apps I totally agree with you and there are some killer lines in in Too Hot to Handle that, that will bake the most brilliant discussions like this one line where one one guy and, and unfortunately because these these um these dear contestants because I do actually have a lot of love for them I'm not judging them I'm they they are very helpfully I think revealing what what happens in lots of cult, you know, around the country but um it's one guy saying to the guy he desperately wants to have sex though you know he really thinks that his entire body will, like explode if he does i mean he's he's in so much pain <laughs> poor guy um and she is just like i'm not having it but also i really like you i want to get to know you and he says things like but having sex is just like cleaning your teeth you know wow. it's just brilliant lines that are ju- you're just wow. so hilarious but they they're delivered with so much kind of but i want this but there's some really interesting conversations i like to get bodies like the bodies of these contestants are you know, stunning they are trimmed they are toned so to get that kind of body takes real self-denial and just mm, like of course ordinary amounts and yet that doesn't cross over at all into the other appetites like the sexual mm. appetites that they have no faith or belief that actually they won't be able to have sex um and and the, the thing that is slightly holding some of them at bay is the idea of money getting lots yeah. of money but that you know, take take a few more snogs and, and lose a few more three grand amounts. It'll get down to the price where actually it's not worth it anymore. Wow. And so it's a really interesting story about how you grade sex and at what point is does sex not not matter enough anymore? And because I think rather than saying sex matters so much, it's actually saying at what point do you not care? Mm. Um, and you are and, and I. So it's it's re, It's such an interesting show, and I think there's some good conversations. I've been having some conversations with young people over the phone about struggles with watching porn and phone sex. So I think again, bearing in mind that you don't want to be talking about coronavirus, but the young people are watching this show in a time when their only contact with each other might enable more sexual activity yeah. than they might have felt confident or willing to do physically so yeah. some young yeah. people who might be thinking i don't have sex till i'm married i don't have sex till i'm older i'm a christian i want to have a different sexual life to my friends might actually be getting involved with more sexual activity because yeah. it's not skin to skin so it's probably worth bearing that in mind
1: as well well, we definitely not only gone way off the, the usual subjects of these podcasts, but I feel like we've gone well and truly into uh, Rachel Gardner territory on this, oh, on this podcast. This, we, we need more of this from you, Rachel. Yeah. And um, oh, it. is it can we just can we just tease that you are doing some thinking, and we haven't heard the last from you on um, no. on this area, have we?
0: we haven't and before lockdown um about four thousand of you wonderful youth workers and churches and parents got involved with the survey um where i asked just 10 questions about about sex and what you think the messages are that young people are receiving from church and that's i'm i'm bubbling away with that so i was hoping to have written more by now but with all that's happened i haven't um but but yes absolutely i'm I'm trying to put together some thinking and, and listening to some great voices to even before coronavirus happened, I think we were sensing this is a new season, isn't it, Martin? Mm. There's an, and you know, this is a new time for young people to be working out their sexual ethics, and and what is it as a church that we want to say? And and then once we've found that out, how are we going to say it in a way that it's heard and it's credible and it's life bringing? So yeah, this is these are very interesting times for us. It does feel like it's all up in the air, but um yeah, good times to be thinking.
1: So. Uh, we're packing a lot into this uh, episode of the podcast. So I hope you uh, enjoy it. Um before I forget, by the way, gentle listener, if you are enjoying this, if you um, are finding it helpful, uh, it would be it'd be or if you're agreeing, nodding, you know, disagreeing with bits of this conversation, we'd really love to hear from you. Um, so drop us a quick email, podcast at youthscape.co.uk or drop us a, uh, a tweet, uh, Youthscape, or, or other social media stuff that we have. Um, it, it's always a massive encouragement to Rachel and I when you join in the conversation and we don't feel like essentially just an older couple having a chat. <laughs> so, um, so we have got a lot to pack in this time, and we're also now going to have a brilliant interview uh which you've mm-hmm. done so rachel do you just want to introduce today's guest
0: well this is with the wonderful dan randall uh, director of hope together uk um and he, we do quite a good way of introducing him on the on the on the little interview actually so just sit back and we're going to have a very different conversation now this is not sea sand and sex this is evangelism in the age of lockdown mm-hmm. So I'm chatting with Dan Randall, who is Youth Director of Hope Together. He's a fellow Northerner, and the sun is shining in his beautiful part of Burnley. And he's also part of Life Church Lancaster. So welcome, Dan.
2: Yes, good to be with you. It's good to hang out.
0: And actually, for once in my little short life, have I managed to get all those instructions right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm not sure what you said about church, but it sounded right.
0: <laughs> yeah, last night, just so people know, last night Dan very kindly got on our Insta chat for Preston Minster. I think I introduced you as a church planter, as the mayor of Burnley. I can't remember. <laughs> I just listed. I'm like when you really love someone and really like want to cheer them on, I find that all these great titles just chip off my town. Basically, I want everyone to know that you're awesome, so listen up. Listen up to him! So, Dan, the reason that we've dragged you out of sunbathing in your garden in Burnley, which, let's face (laughs) it, we don't have very often, is to chat with you about evangelism in a season of lockdown. So, Dan, what are your thoughts? What are you seeing? Can we do evangelism in a season of lockdown when we don't have schools work, we don't meet young people in drop-ins or detached? What, What can it look like? I'd love to hear your thoughts.
2: No, it's good, it's good. Um, yeah, I think I'm really excited by this season and, and have been from the start, which I know is kind of a weird emotion. And there's other emotions that have flown around personally, but the predominant overriding one has been excited by the opportunity because, as we know, like Gen Z, Gen Alpha, they, they live live online. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of that, as I felt like it's pushed our youth work forward into a realm that we were, I guess, gradually are slowly moving towards some of us or some of us are still trying to bat it away and just, you know, say face-to-face is always the answer. And um, I don't think we will the loose face-to-face youth work, but I think um, it's been really exciting, kind of. It's stretching for everyone. And even if you're at the forefront of... Developing in those areas is still been stretching. So I think I think overall I'm really excited by the opportunity. Um, I think for a lot of churches, um, obviously like doing evangelism is very much face to face. Either like detached youth work, or or for those that um, have the capability to be able to do schools ministry on a regular basis. Um, obviously there are two two areas that have been taken out of our hands. Um, but, but then, yeah, it has increased our opportunity to do more with the online space. Um, and then also the emphasis on actually young people who are Christians, who love Jesus, To um, they are the key uh, to their friends, to connect their friends. Because in reality, a young person isn't just going to start following a youth group's channel um, on, on Instagram or YouTube or whatever it might be, just randomly. I, I doubt it. It's very rare. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's really exciting.
0: That's interesting you, you say that, but it's sort of almost accelerated youth ministry. We kind of all knew that it had to go a lot more online and digital um, mm. and, and for it to work for everybody. And so not just for young people that have got the equipment and are already there, but yeah, for young people with special needs, young people that don't have... Always the money and the access to equipment that we have to work it for everybody. But I, I'd, I'd like to ask you what are the specific opportunities for evangelism online that maybe look quite different to in a school setting or in a detached setting? I suppose you, you've hinted at one of them, which is. Young us investing more in young people in their own relationships because we can't <laughs> go and start, and we can't start following young people on Insta that we don't know as well. You know that would be highly inappropriate. So, so I'd love to hear you chat a little bit about that, and then unpack for us a bit. What are some of the other maybe unique opportunities? But shall we start there with raising up young people themselves? Because that's obviously a real passion of yours, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think that is that is my number one, I guess, answer to all this to to give give the game away of this whole conversation is peer-to-peer. The answer is, you you know, and the opportunity is the young people that we're discipling, the young people we've been journeying with. And actually, um, it's kind of like, I guess, a reality check. Uh, So for me as a local church youth leader and involved in local church leadership as well, it's it's like actually proves how well we have or haven't been discipling young people um, to know actually where those relationships go. So some young people that we thought, you know, were kind of within that kind of core group, that core in in the life of the youth ministry. You know, you haven't heard from much or whatever. Never mind getting them thinking about reaching their friends. And then other people have really leaned forward in this season. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and I think this, I think it really helps us. Um, if if peer to peer, you you know, young people are the gateway to their friends. Now there isn't really this other this other gateway unless you're this super skilled, super good looking, super talented YouTuber that already has an audience of thousands of young people or is building one, then um I I don't really see another way. And there doesn't seem to be another particular this this um kind of silver bullet to it, but actually the young people themselves. And and I think because um in youth work nationally there seems to have been a divide between discipleship and evangelism for a long time of we're either focused on investing the ones that are in the life of our church and we're just kind of looking after them because that's what we feel pressured to do, or that's what we feel called to do, or that's where our gifting lies, whatever it might be, or for the same reasons, um, or for the same kinds of reasons to just be out there, do evangelism, just do detached work, and there doesn't seem to be this kind of feeding into both at times, it's either I do this or I do this, but actually how are we discipling young people to live evangelistically or live missionally um, in the life of their community, online, on social media, and I remember about two years ago, I kind of had this question in my mind of there's three S's of where young people live. They live in a school, they live on the street, and um, like their local community, and they live on social media. And um, and as I talked to friends and, and organisations and other churches, like, you know, okay, so we know what street looks like, we know what, you know, face-to-face connection, people doing detached youth work, what that looks like to... Faith in the home is an ongoing conversation, all that kind of thing. Schools, there's people you can go to, people you can learn from, people you can develop in. But then it didn't really seem to be about two, three years ago, um, an answer to this, how do we not just do social media well and create a really cool channel or something, but actually how do, what's it like to empower young people to share their faith on social media in a way that isn't just um, cheesy-looking graphics of Bible verses, um, but actually, you know, in, in ways that, you know, giving resource to young people that is then shareable with their mates. Um, yeah. So, yeah.
0: That, that's awesome. And one of the things that I, we've been picking up here and I've been hearing across the country is that um, on the whole, young people still, even with digital burnout, they are still really leaning in to this new youth ministry online and, and that's our experience here in Creston. So we had on Friday night an old people's party and they all had to come dressed up in Zoom as old people and it was hilarious. They all did it and it was just so much fun and they've preached online and they've prepared little passages online and they've, they've really lent in in a way that we weren't seeing that before. Do you, mm. do you think that young people are leaning more into evangelism to this peer to peer contact as well? You know, are they making the most of that, or is that sort of something that we can be really getting involved with? How are you seeing young people themselves connecting with each other online? Does that happen the same? Leaning in? Uh,
2: yeah, and I haven't heard loads of stories about that actually, and I guess that's something that I want to bang the drum about more in terms of, you know, what kind of because I think we are quite good at giving opportunities to young people and we've transferred that kind of methodology into the online. So I totally agree with you. We've, you know, we've a similar thing and I've heard lots of other people doing very similar things. And it's really exciting because actually we are helping them move into more evangelistic focus because we're giving them similar opportunities to preach and lead and do all those kind of things. But online, and the chances there's people that might come across that. It's not just, in the safety of inverted commas of a building. Um, so I think it is a step forward um, in terms of them being more bold and sharing their faith and doing things that really kind of say, actually, yeah, I love Jesus. I'm passionate about it. And um, I've got something to say about it. And I, and I feel like God's called me to to share something about that. Mm. Um, yeah, but but in terms of peer to peer, you know, I haven't heard loads of stories, and I'd love to hear stories of, and I, I'm sure there's amazing young people, ones and twos in the life of youth ministry, maybe more. Maybe I've heard about some amazing youth ministry who've got such good culture of, um, of, of not just young people inviting their mates or bringing the mates, but actually sharing Jesus with their friends before they even get to youth and, and taking them on that journey, um, yeah, or come yes. to to an online event as it is now. Awesome. So that's true. I think, yeah.
0: And I think you're right. There will be those stories out there. There absolutely will be young people who were doing this online before the lockdown and are doing it even more. Now, you use the word culture, which I think is a great word for this, because it is. evangelism is one of those things that sometimes we get a bit panicky about because we think it means everybody's got to be an extrovert and an activist and a preacher. (laughs) But of course, it's about bearing witness, isn't it, to what Christ has done. Mm. Um, But you were saying that, actually, the churches that create the culture of evangelism, are going to find this easy to do. What, what, do you, what do you mean by that? What does that look like to have a youth ministry of 10 or 100 young people where the culture enables young people to share Christ online more effectively? What does that look like?
2: Well, I think my, my first thought on that is, is probably always going to be what was the culture like three months ago or two months ago or a month ago before we were kind of pushed into this? Because um, I think that's the culture that carries over you know, do whatever the culture is, you know, a culture of care, a culture of, of evangelism, a culture of whatever, yeah. that's that's always going to spill out and that's always going to be the thing that people desire most. Yeah. Um, you know, youth groups with a strong culture of like worship music, they are going to be finding ways to do some worship online and creative worship online and all that kind of thing. So I think it's probably whatever the culture was then, um and then, if if there's you know if you've got that group of young people that you're able to communicate to, then it's communicating vision, it's recasting, and and, and maybe even seeing this as a time to shift culture in the life of the youth ministry. And how do we go back different? <laughs> and then before.
0: I can feel everyone's now got their notebook pad and their pen out and they're like, okay, right, so how do we shift it? Because I think you're absolutely right. I think the culture that we came into lockdown with is absolutely the waters that we're now swimming in, but now is an incredible opportunity to, to cast a new vision and to do things differently. And I'm, I'm hearing from other youth workers that they are, you know, young people are doing more preaching, like two-minute sermons or six-second sermons, um, and, and are getting that platform in a way they never got... When and it was before the lockdown so we are already i think beginning to shift things and saying to ourselves what do we want to do that will take out of lockdown with us but w- could you give us like a couple of like easy thoughts like what what could we do if we actually want to begin to sow the seed and cast the vision of encouraging our young people to either invite their friends to the stuff that we're doing together online or to begin to share stories of how they're they're connecting what what be some simple sort of ways into that
2: I think um, we've got to create a hunger for it, like anything. Um, it's that whole, uh, someone wants, you know, that that is that phrase, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. But I once heard a leader say, but you can make it thirsty.
0: Um,
2: and, and so I was like, so my immediate thought was, give it loads of salt. Um, uh, which without getting on Matthew 5 on it, it, could actually be right. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: And um so i think i think I think the principle is the same as with anything of you how do we make young people hungry for something? how do we make young people want something and um it starts with presenting the need and and again I've got kind of like four key questions at the minute that I've been journeying with with myself and with our youth team in the life of our church and asking nationally as well to provoke thought and and the first one is like what are young people actually facing so helping young people. Um, from, from all contexts, and I think we, you know, f- for a lot of us, maybe we have um, young people in lives, our youth ministry from different, very different backgrounds, but there's young people who are definitely in uh, much healthier home lives than others, um, and that's not a judgment on those families, just a reality and a, a concern as well um, of some of the dangers that young people are facing. In terms of lack of food, neglect, um, actually they, they just go home to sleep normally, and now they're trapped almost in their home. And and helping other young people to see that, not spotting, not pointing out young people directly to them like some sort of Christian version of gossip, but helping young people actually like their biggest complaint is their parents are telling them to get off their Xbox you know or whatever or um off video calling 10 million people over a time or off whatsapp till 4am in the morning when actually there's young people facing real issues and i think helping them to realize actually we can play a part in meeting the need in terms of kind of action but then also you know showing them that actually you know more more people are, are desperate for something right now people are desperate for hope Um, I have no evidence for it, but I bet there's way more people praying in the last six weeks than there has been in the last six years
0: well um, Dad, to interrupt you there and I want to hear the rest of the questions because these are so these are this is gold um but in the week paper last week um it said that uh, every time that there's 500,000 new global cases of coronavirus um the uh, google um people typing in prayer into google doubles so so even like google is is counting wow. as, the, as the virus spreads more people are, are, are typing prayer into their google machines isn't that, isn't that interesting? So I think I think yeah. your hunch bites. Your hunch fights. Anyway, so carry on with your questions because these are great.
2: So I guess I guess them. Sent, you know, realizing. I think in this season there's an opportunity more than ever to show them. So I guess it's like um, it, it's kind of, kind of like Jesus did in in some of the the kind of great commissions. Some of those things he showed people. The need, like there, is, there is a need, and, and in his ministry, he showed people the need. He showed his disciples the need. So I think that's part of it is, and, and people being hungry for that, and people being able to make a decision and go, actually, yes, I I need to be part of of sharing the good news. I need to be part of Mark Mark sixteen preaching the good news to all creation, whether I think I'm a preacher or not. My life is a preach. My life is a platform. Yeah,
1: um,
2: yeah. And then the next question was like, what what do Gen Z have to offer? the rest of everyone else, what do Gen Z, and, and it's actually helping young people to understand they can be part of leading the way in the church. Applying that, I mean, that question is quite broad because a young person can help an older person how to Zoom, which is, uh, you know, which can be spiritual or not, but yes. in terms of that, so there's the things that young people, they live in this space and actually they can teach the the rest of the generations how to live in this space. Mm. But actually then, um, in terms of sharing the gospel and being evangelistic and living missionly, actually young people realizing you, you're you know you are the future and the present of the church just as you've always been, but actually you can lead the way now you can you can shape more than ever what the church looks like in the future because actually. Yes, we're all you know. Your, your senior leads are only just one step ahead of you because with everyone's figuring this out as they go. But actually, you get this stuff and uh, and you understand what what's what comes across in what way and and all that kind of thing. So I think that's incredibly helpful. The fact that they they understand this realm more than ever, and therefore they. Would partnering that with the need to communicate the gospel and the need to to support community and the need of help in our community the help of Jesus, and that's that's a powerful that's a powerful set of things.
0: That is hugely powerful. What 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 what,
2: what does God want to do in and through young people in this season? Which, in some ways, the answer is the same as He's always wanted to do—to use a generation, to shape the world. Um, you know, young people. Have changed the world for centuries you know and all that but actually you know doing a lot of that stuff but actually him doing a new thing and and, and creating a new level of resilience and an ability to to actually move forward and, and and walk through this this dark time and I think and and supporting others and then the final question is what what do we what do we never go back to and what do we continue from this season and, and what do we need to go and pick up again? Which, you know, is like three questions, but it's almost like, what does life look like after this? Because yes. I think the temptation is, is just to go, how do we get back to normal, in inverted commas, in youth ministry and evangelism and everything that we're doing? Um, whereas, actually, I think we need to be saying, well, what, what should we never go back to? Um yes. And what have we learned in this season that we need to keep doing that? Actually, we need to put fuel on that fire and keep doing that? Um, and, then, and then what do we need to pick up again? You know, because we're not, we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but allow this season to be um, a filter, to be like a, a weighing up of what we do and how we spend our time and, and what's mm-hmm. most effective to advance the kingdom of God
0: absolutely and I'm just thinking about those four very powerful questions Dan thank you for sharing them it feels like you've um, shared with us the core subjects of your book that you should be writing but anyway <laughs> you've, given, you've given it away for free thank you so much you, you've read um,
2: emails from me you don't want me to write a book <laughs> I love like, it I, I love three it three sentences together oh,
0: um, brilliant but um, I, I suppose when you were asking like what what does it look like after this I, my initial thought was oh my goodness there are going to be dinosaurs like technological dinosaurs like me but, that have actually struggled with the, the online world and always have um, I don't wear active wear I wear skinny jeans you know I don't do zoom very well I like to lick people's faces like there's an old there's a rock chick in me that is struggling a bit and I guess there's a fear in me that when this is over or or in a kind of a new understanding of what it means to live post pandemic um that the, the best youth ministry will zip off into the future or singing and dancing online and then youth workers like me will be like oh my goodness like I how do I make this make sense but I guess what I hear from you is it's not so much about rules it's more about rhythm it's more about saying actually this is a wonderful chance for us to see how young people want to shape things and are being shaped and there will be aspects of all ministry on youth online that will be not helpful we'll you know, we need mm. to have you know, the face to face stuff that has to be part of the rhythm of this but but not to be afraid of where this might take us To think actually this is going to be a mixed economy and, and we as the youth ministry tribe are a mixed economy Like we, where my strength becomes my weakness that becomes your strength and you can pick it up and I think that's a very exciting thought yeah. because our, our heart is for young people to meet Jesus by yeah. what, by whatever means by whatever mm. means needed Dan yeah. um, can you point us in the direction of some great resources that we could use now or some great thinking some podcasts and blogs where, where yeah. are you telling us to think more along <laughs> these
2: lines well I think there's is- so many great things out there and I think there's so many great resources and we at Hope have tried to, we created a page to celebrate the best kind of youth evangelistic resources. There's loads of good resources out there too when it comes to kind of in-house discipleship and pastoral stuff within uh, the online space and I think um, it's really important that we do that well um yeah. but i also think that's kind of the first stage of this whole process was creating cultures of care and making sure our young people were looked after all that our and in inverted commas <laughs> looked after but i think the next step always had to be like how do we keep it missional and then the third step being how do we make sure the undertone of everything is discipleship like it always has been and always should be um and i think so we put this pace together to celebrate great things so um it's a online youth evangelism resources page with our website and it celebrates uh, all sorts of different people stuff including the youthscape blog which is brilliant and um others uh, featured a couple of the safeguarding things but mainly the these other kind of resource in the middle some that you'd recognize some that you wouldn't and um, but also some twists on how you could use them um, and encourage young people to use them so for example at like youth alpha we all love that resource but right now it can it could become quite an inward focused resource which is very good and kind of a discipleship tool when it comes to inward folks but what if we used it as a tapship tool that was more outward focused as well to say to our young people how could you run a youth health with your friends online what does that look like
0: oh we um, want that that's amazing um, that's so amazing. i think there's
2: there's great things, you know, out there like that. That you know, just looking at them from a slightly different angle. And so there's lots of things on there like that. Some are kind of tried and tested. Some are brand new and out there. And um, and so yeah, I'd encourage people to go check us on our hop together website. Um, and um, and yeah, I think the key thing I think is kind of the thing is keep coming back to when it comes to online content because there's so much good stuff out there. Is um, is the content that we are creating as a youth ministry or using shareable with young people's friends? So, um, or is it just for like our, in inverted commas, because I don't believe like they're my young people or something, but is it just for our Christian young people? Because actually the content is really similar. It just needs a few tweaks. Mm. So yeah, of course, scripture is shareable, but how we put it out there, how we share with people, devotions, again, shareable. Mm. Um, so I think there's lots of things that lots of great youth ministry doing that I'm seeing, which that is amazing. Um, mm. And but I think the the genius is where they just tweak some of that language ever so slightly. You know, it's the five percent change or, yes. or whatever that, that just kind of makes it actually that young person can forward that message to, forward that on a message to another to another friend mm. um, because actually it's really accessible. Um and it speaks right into the situation, it's prophetic and all those things, like a lot like a lot of these things that people are putting out there right now.
0: That is that is amazing. I had an email this morning from lovely um Ben Cordy, who's one of our listeners, and he was saying, Rach, we've gotta chat about you know all the dear schools workers of who he is one he didn't use the word dear that's me I'm an old lady of of all the schools (laughs) workers that are currently like you know just thinking actually that our schools ministry has been taken completely out of our hands and of course some schools workers are in schools caring for young people who are kids of key workers and all that kind of stuff but actually maybe actually if you are listening to this and you are a schools worker um you might be some of the best place people to help with some of this crossover language because actually Mm. being a schools worker is all about language Language and literacy and, and connection outside of a Christian bubble, for want of a better word. So actually that, I think, releasing schools workers to be innovators of great resources um, that, that can help with this space would be absolutely fantastic. Maybe maybe Ben, there you go. I've just given you some work, Ben. There you go.
2: Yeah.
0: And this was amazing. Just so that we come clean for the listener. So I came and interviewed you in your home pre-lockdown quite a while ago, and you had <laughs> horrendous cold and you did a stonkingly great interview, but I didn't record it very well. And we were like, Oh, shall we use it? (laughs) And so you were so good to come back on today. And this, I, I feel mate, that maybe this was a timely one because I think, what you're sharing today is so helpful for us particularly in this season and as we move through lockdown and post lockdown we want evangelism to be yeah discipleship to be the bedrock but the mission to be the fire in what we do don't we and I think that's really stirred that you've really called us to arms so go and write your book Call to Arms and we will see you you, you post lockdown bless you Dan bye good to see you Dan
1: great interview rachel thank you um so uh i think we're probably we're probably at the end of people's patience with us today uh we probably can't now have another witter at the end um but uh, uh how's your week looking how's the week ahead you, Rachel? I
0: think the weather apparently is going to turn. So oh, we're just getting no. ourselves up for our knitwear. Um, and I'm beginning to say to people like, what what, what pub, what restaurant are you going to go to when lockdown is over? So I feel like I'm planning like some of my exit strategies. So I, I feel like I'm having lots of those chats in the moment.
1: I'm, um, I'm anxiously worrying about this. Have you heard about this idea from Belgium that you need to uh, decide who's in your social bubble?
0: So you yeah, have to I've not choose. That oh. Yeah,
1: yeah. They're saying in, potentially uh, in Belgium, you might have to choose the people who are your friends who you're going to spend time with. But once you've decided your social social circle, you're only allowed ten, and then uh, and then that's it. You can't add anyone else in. So oh what? I mean, what for British people that will be apocalyptic, won't it? I mean, the yes. idea of the social awkwardness involved in like leaving someone out or whether you include the wrong person into your, I mean, goodness, can you imagine? Let's oh that... my
0: goodness! Talk about like sex cops. We're not talking about social cops. I mean, no. like, it's ridiculous. We can't go there. We can't go there.
1: Please refuse,
0: no. refuse. <laughs> you
1: just, just write a letter to your friend Boris and ask him not. I
0: will. I will. Boris. That is uh,
1: that is it for another edition of the Youthscape podcast. We will see you uh, later this week.